at no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Right. Welcome to the show today, folks. This is your host, Doug Crow. Don't forget to hit subscribe, like, share all that good stuff below. It always helps us out and will help you as well because there's free goodies for you there if you do it. So check it out below. And today I've got a very interesting guest on, man. I've uh, known him for a while. He's got some really cool concepts. I know you're going to find it exciting. He's a director of uh, Transformation Services at Peak and Workday and uh, where he helps organizations use their talent analytics and employee engagement tools to empower employees to drive the change they wish to see. It's a long way of saying, we'll figure out what, how to make them better. Uh, he's a partner at the Super Trends Institute, where he focuses on the intersection of cutting edge technology, global trends, and the implications they have on organizations and leaders, maybe like you. He is a, an alumni of the World Economic Forum's Global Shapers community and a former associate partner at McKinsey Company. He's authored two best-selling books, Leadership at Scale, and the most recent one, Return on Ambition. So without further ado, let's bring our guest on today, Nikolai. I'm going to pronounce your last name here, Nikolai Chen Nielsen. It's very yeah, far. Three, three names are. I like that. No, yeah. Great to be here. Thanks for having yeah, me. Thanks so much. Wow. Well, you know, I saw this book and I saw the title. I saw some questions I wanted to talk about. And it's funny because, uh, well... We all are ambitious, right? We're all here trying to do things. Is there an R? What's that about return? Is there a ROI on ambition or what? What's the, what's the gist? Well, that's here? the whole. That's the whole thing, right? Being a bit provocative. Yeah. Um, we see ambition. My co-author and I that ambition is some of the the biggest investments that you make in life, uh, in in terms of your time, your resources, your energy, and and oftentimes you're not really measuring the return, and oftentimes that leads you not fulfilled and thinking back what you might have done differently. So it is a it is a play on return on investment, but it is also a very very real thing. Okay, and I know there's some history behind this. Um, you guys, it's not your first rodeo, um, and you had some uh, what some burnout issues at a young age, or how did you deal with the ambition, the downside of it? Yeah, it was uh, it was a journey for me. Absolutely, yeah. uh, I've always been extremely ambitious. Thinking back to when I was a kid, I wanted to be a professional soccer player. Uh, at the age of five, I wanted to be the world's best. I mean, it was really just something that drove me and that formed a lot of my life choices throughout my teenage years, training uh, every day and playing matches. And I ultimately decided not to uh, become a professional for various reasons. But one of them was I, I realized painfully that I would never be quite as good as I had hoped for. Uh, so ambition has always been this incredible, strong drive. Um, and there's been a dark side in, in the early uh, early 20s, for example, I did experience a form of burnout. I did uh, essentially just take on too many things. And that was a pattern that has repeated itself. So it started a, a journey for me. And, and the last six years, I've been studying ambition in a much more, you could say, professional, a serious capacity, which, which then culminated in the book. Uh, so ambition, absolutely personal, but also something I found to be very, very uh, relevant for the majority of, of individuals out there. You know, I'd like to take a little uh, little journey down to the soccer days, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. Because there's always these moments, right, where especially at a young age, we're being imprinted with our dreams and we haven't been beat up by the world yet. So it seems very natural to say, well, yeah, I mean, I want to be an astronaut. It was in the 60s. Let's go. I want to be going to the moon. You know, couldn't do it yeah. by eyesight. But but in, in being a, a good soccer player, a great soccer player, you saw those sights that I want to be the best. 
So what was that? Was there a moment or a tipping point where you're like, holy crap, I can't do it? Or was it gradual? Subconsciously, it was gradual. Mm -hmm. uh, but there was absolute tipping point. I was um, 18 at the time. Mm -hmm. uh, it was the winter. So I was running on a treadmill indoors and I had this searing hip pain. Uh, I was running 5k, you know, 20, 20 minutes. Sure. I just remember thinking, okay, if I cannot even run 5k on my holiday to stay in shape, what the hell am I doing? And that was the, that was absolutely the, the tipping point. But then subconsciously, I think I had been ignoring the signs of both injuries, but also just that others seem to be progressing more quickly. Yeah. I kept being very stubborn that yes, I'm going to make it, but it, you know, I didn't want to want to face reality to some extent. Right. You know, we've done books for a bunch of athletes and people who are semi-pro, right? Guys who got right to the edge and just didn't didn't get over to the other tipping point. And it's fascinating how many of them is like, you know, an injury just took them out. Yeah. It was like, you know, had you not been injured, I know you me, you don't play the what if game, but I'm curious, like if you'd not been injured, would there be a, a would there have been another tipping point that have taken you down the, you know, this other path? We don't know, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting question. I think yeah. um I think there would be. I think yeah. Unless you're really destined for it and and you yeah. will be fully fulfilled. Like if I would have been fulfilled becoming what I could have become, I yeah. think you know that that would be great. I think in my situation, and what often happens is that things will end up happening. You'll end up having some kind of hitting the wall, tipping point, yeah. or just regret, right? And what awareness yeah. does is you can you can avoid mm -hmm. those those unpleasant moments because you're asking yourself right. tough questions earlier. Yeah. So you're a young man, you're 18, you're thinking all these great things. You're on the trail being like, holy crap, I feel like I'm not 18 anymore. <laughs> Whatever happened. <laughs> what when when it did come to the point where you decided I can't do it professionally, what did it feel like? What did you do? It was uh it was a strange period, to be honest. There was yeah. I've been brought up in a family where I've always been given the freedom to pursue yeah, whichever aspiration i was excited about which i've learned you know as i've gotten older that's been an incredible incredible gift i think i took it a bit for granted that i was okay. really just given this freedom by my parents they did of course yeah. want me to work hard and do the best to become the best yeah. i could become uh, so that was that was actually very wonderful there was never pressure that being nice. said i also grew up in a family where education was very important you know i was always going to go to university um yeah. and and pursue higher education so to some extent there was definitely a period of, of just not knowing and I could become anything in a way, you know, whether that meant consultant, yeah. entrepreneur, politician. Um, but it was also a lot of just a little bit it's of uncomfort. Blessing and a curse, right? It's like, I can do anything, but I don't know what to do. Right? Yeah. So, That's where university your, comes in handy. Right. Yeah, I'm going to go, you know, study or get my master's or PhD. What, um, but you said you had another burnout when you're in your twenties then. Yeah. So you, you, you were ambitious in soccer. You shifted to, was this a school burnout or? First job out this or was um, undergraduate studies. Okay. Uh, and a lot of it, you know, I, ambition for me is a lot about a drive, right? You have this yearning, you yeah. have a drive, you want to do something, you want to get somewhere. And sometimes yeah. you don't even know what you want to get to or you have an idea, but it might not be the right one. That's a point we'll come back to later. Remember that one. Okay. Well, we'll come back to that one. Yeah. So my, to your point, that that shifted for me, that, that drive. Mm -hmm. I was always going to go to university and I would have yeah. maybe prioritized soccer, but now I was like, I'm going here. I'm going to, because I want to, I'm going to get the highest grades possible. So I went all in, um, work part-time. I had this idea in Europe, an undergraduate and graduate degree you typically do together. And it's, it's five years, uh, three plus two. 
So I had this idea that over these five years, I would do seven years worth of courses, meaning a significant extra amount per semester. And it was, you know, self-imposed. I just wanted to do extra stuff. I wanted to learn new things and, and, and so forth. So early 20s, um, probably in my third year, I just remember crashing on the couch. And, and I was more perplexed at the time because for me, ambition is a good thing. And I was wondering why can something that's meant to be good actually cause me so much despair? And I, I just didn't have any answers. Point. So I want to come back to that personally, professionally, and for our listeners, that's the, the essence of your book. But you said something a minute ago about ambition, but you didn't know even what it was towards for, mm. for ambition's sake alone. And yeah. that's a that's a common theme, like, you know, in some movies, you know, I keep thinking of like, you know, Star Trek Two, right? It's just an ambition, you know, it's like, for what? Yeah, I don't know, just to have world, it. <laughs> world domination. Yeah, world domination, right? Um, so do you think many people that you talk to, obviously research for the book, do they have a clear path or goal or direction with their, with their ambition or was the ambition more powerful than the destination or journey? De definitely a mixed bag. Uh, and yeah. I've also thought a lot about this afterwards, after the book came out, you know, where, yeah. and I, I've, I've reflected that we have an, an innate needs. I mean, Maslow many, many years, like 70 years ago, talked about the Maslow's and pyramid of needs and whether you agree or not, you know, we have needs as individuals and that can be equated to, we have ambitions. Ambition is innate. And sometimes it's easier if I'd say that let's substitute the word ambition for dreams. And everyone's like, ah, yes, I have dreams, right? It's a little bit more of a, a softer word, but we have something that's innate that we want to do with our life. Yeah. I think what's challenging is sometimes that gets, that gets channeled the wrong way where it's mm -hmm. more fear driven or it's more shaped by what society uh, oh, expects gosh, you yes. to do right i mean it's a very real Dude. phenomenon right you know it's there's like so there's probably like a sliding scale right or or bell curve on you know the person who's a slug does nothing and the person is like super ambitious and so no and then the one's got to control maybe i don't know you probably have your own diagrams in the book and stuff um but yeah the dreams ambition so begs the question so at what point do you know or do you sense or is there some trigger point where your ambition is not serving you, but harming you. Yeah, that that's really the key. Um, yeah. We we talk about in the book about um, instead of you managing your ambition, your ambition is managing you. Mm. And that's a very real thing. And, and it becomes real for many people, unfortunately, when you have a bit of an upset moment, you have an aha moment um, where this, you know, subconscious energy and drive becomes very conscious and you realize that it's not helping you. Um, what we did was we looked at the types of situations where these occur, and, and we found that there's something we call frenemies in the book. Uh, they're friends of ambition, but they're also um, potential enemies. Uh, ambition has a dark side, if you will. And it's important that there is a balance because it's not that you want to get rid of them. For example, competitiveness is one of the frenemies. Desire is a frenemy. Uh, independence is a frenemy. It's not that you want to get rid of it and say, oh, it's bad and I, don't, I just want to become much less of it or I don't want it at all. It's about that balance, right? If, you are, if you're competitive, that, that can help you, but you just have to manage it instead of letting it manage you. Yeah, I was, I was thinking like even a monk has ambition, ambition to do nothing, you know, just think. Yeah, bananas. <laughs> yeah. But is, is there a, um, like if you're going throughout the day and you've probably talked to, you know, many, many people about this, is there a common thread on the aha moment of like, uh, I got to change. There's something wrong here. Is there a, a, a consistent um, event or maybe some phrase that comes up? 
I think there's two different levels. There's the, let's say the macro level where you have a feeling of you're not doing what you're meant to be doing, or you're just not fulfilled, right? You're, you're not happy. You're not feeling successful. And that's where you ask yourself the return on ambition question. I'm putting so much energy into my ambition. What am I getting out? Yeah. And that's where we break it into three areas around achievement, <laughs> around growth and well-being. So you begin to have a vocabulary around what you should be expecting from your efforts and you should be expecting all three things. And we find that if you don't have all three, the other two will begin to fall over time. Okay. What are those three again? Uh, achievement, growth, achievement? and well-being. Well-being. Okay. So are they balanced or are they just aware of those? Are they, it's a 33, 33, 33, or is it? Various based on the person. Doesn't have to be an even split, but it does have to be balanced. Yeah. And all the situations when people feel like ambition is getting better than them, they they felt like at least one or maybe two of these three things were dropping, and they didn't maybe put words on it. I think the easy one is um, well-being. People often have yeah. bouts of of not feeling they're spending time with themselves, with their friends, with their family, and so forth. But the other two actually we also see occurring, where some yeah. people, ambitious people, feel like they're not achieving as they should. And that might be because they're in the wrong job. Um, yeah. They're not having self-set goals and growth, growth as well. If people are working hard and achieving, that's actually often sustainable if you're also feeling like you're developing. And if mm -hmm. you're not, then you feel like, what's the point of all this? I, th I think I need your book. So <laughs> I just, I just counted one and a half of those things, maybe two and mainly this week, but yeah, it's been a interesting few days. What too much TMI, Doug? TMI. Um, <laughs> all right. So if somebody's aware that they've got, you know, hey, I've got some growth, I've got some well-being, good achievement, but it's a little bit out of whack. Um, there's obviously some tools and strategies you can do to uh, uh, help mitigate this, and they are. Yeah, yeah? they are. Well, they're they're not, they're... some simple, simple strategies. So I want to, I want to hear the. Where's, like the where's, one, my push, where's my push button solution here, Nikolai? Exactly. Just do this one thing and yeah, everything take will change. Pill. No, it's, it's absolutely a journey. And I mean, there is an assessment in the book to, to measure these three things. And it's, mm -hmm. there's no perfect assessment, but it's, it's a way to give you a return on your ambition. And that return will go up and down over time. If you think of those three points okay. like a stock market, right, or uh, a stock over time sure. every quarter, you should be able to see some shifts. Yeah. But then what you do about it, if you notice that one of them is, is actually much lower, it does start with actually looking inwards and yeah. thinking about the patterns in your life, which mm -hmm. are causing you to do, uh, make choices that are not serving you well. And that's where the frenemies come in handy with the seven frenemies, because you typically will recognize two, three, sometimes four frenemies, yeah. sometimes even more. And then you begin to see, okay, this frenemy independence is causing me to not want to work with others uh, and taking on too many things, or this frenemy around competitiveness. I'm trying to win unnecessary battles and so forth. Yeah. Oh boy. Assessments in the book. The assessments in the book. Yeah. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to get this book and I'm going to take this assessment. And for those of you in our, in our inner circle, I'll share my results. Um, <laughs> return on ambition. This is so cool. So, it sounds simple enough, right? So we're gonna um, assess it. There's seven frenemies. These are yep. all in here. They're not real people, right? They're frenemies in here. No, here. we gave them personas. We gave them some personas okay. because it them. makes them more recognizable. Yeah, okay. Yeah. You wanna go ahead and run through them? I'm sort of curious. Yeah, so um, competitiveness, uh, desire, flexibility, yeah. uh, independence, boldness, convention, and um, perseverance. These all sound great. 
They, they sound are like great trades. They're very they friendly. Friends. What did they come to enemy part come in? They are uh, friends. They're also enemies. Because every strength is also weakness, right? It could be too flexible, right? Or you could be, uh, yeah. Wow. And these are really anchored on ambition because there are other, other assessments out there that can measure various things. But these uh -huh. are really because of the fact you're ambitious. Right. You have something you're striving for. These are more likely to occur in, in you. Wow. Okay. It's a Kindle version, right? Yeah, I'm sure you do. Um, it sounds simple enough. Okay. So what's, what's the approach? How do you go through, if you talk to somebody privately or work with a corporation or something, talk yeah. to their C-suite people, you say, okay, you guys are doing X. What's your approach to working with them? It does start from the big question and then going down to literally the daily, yeah. daily life. We have something called the frenemy radar. Um, mm -hmm. But the big question is, is setting a philosophy of ambition. I mean, really mm -hmm. thinking through what is your ambition and, and more importantly than the destination is actually the direction because so many things will change yes. in your life and you don't know if you will publish X book or Y book or if, if this company will be successful. But along those three dimensions of achievement, growth and well-being, what are your principles you want to live by? You, oh, yeah. What's the future state you want to get to? So you can make an assessment that you are on the right path and you're living in alignment with your true ambition. Mm -hmm. That sounds that's fair. Yeah, yeah, aligning values with, with what you're doing. That's That sounds pretty reasonable to me. Yeah, but it's um, hard. I think many people, ambitious people we, we interviewed and surveyed, they don't carve out time to reflect because it's just people are busy, oh. people are running fast, right? So it, it, it does yeah. sound simple in practice, but the book is also a bit of a forcing mechanism to sit down and we have self-coaching sessions so yes a coach will help you but the book is just the first step there so sit down and right. think about these questions and yeah and reflect um in all your travels you know writing this this brilliant book and talking to people um obviously no names here but any like surprising stories along the way of somebody who like i couldn't believe this this happened either a overly ambitious or a lot not ambitious successful person or something I mean, there were, there were many. We did uh, probably around yeah. 25 uh, in-depth case studies and interviews. Yeah. And one thing that surprised me was pretty much all these people who today are highly successful and fulfilled, they feel like they have a high return on ambition. They yeah. all had very big upsets in their life and they learned actually quite painfully, right? And yeah. I guess it was, it was actually a surprise that when you see people today, you always just assume even young or successful, you, you, you assume yeah. that it's all come relatively easy, right? But it's, it's mm. not. I, you know, we've, we've published a couple hundred books for, for clients and mm. a lot of them are people like you, like, you know, the intelligent, you know, corporate consultants, like every single one of them, when I get into their, into their story, they all had some kind of pretty serious trauma. Yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna mention names so the books come out, but you know, there's, there's rape and murder and, mm. and, uh, you know, alcoholism out the wazoo. There's, there's so many stories here. And these people are all like multimillionaire. They run like big organizations, but they had their, and they're, you know, they're, they're not, it'll be in their books, right? I'm like, I encourage them to, to be a little bit transparent to let people yeah. know that, yeah, we're all human. You know, nobody gets out of this, out of this existence alive or without yeah. a scar too. you know, no, if you have no scars, you haven't done anything, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, some of the, some of the examples, just to give you a flavor of some yeah. of the interesting stories, Anish, Anish Shah uh, from the book, he was um, at the young age, he wanted to be very successful in business. He wanted to be, he said the good Gordon Gecko uh, went to Ivy league, you know, did everything right. He said he was checking right. on the boxes. 
became a consultant at McKinsey, uh, went up through the ranks very fast. Um, but he, long story short, quit and is now a successful and happy stand-up comedian. Right. But he said that That's journey. Great. Yeah. It's it's absolutely fantastic. But the process was almost unbearable. Right. He's leaving That's, a high that, much to be like going job. from soccer to business, you know, to going from Gordon Gecko to comedy. I would say this is bigger. <laughs> a little bigger shift. How old was he yeah. when he did made that shift? Probably, I mean, after business school and then about five years at McKinsey, so probably early 30s. Wow. Still, that's... I mean, he jokes by saying he wanted to he wanted to figure out how he could disappoint his parents in the most, <laughs> in, the, in the biggest way. Right. So that was it. Or or if he was if married or had a girlfriend at a time, you're working at McKinsey, you want to go stand up? I said, that's the first, first and last joke you'll tell, right? Exactly. Oh my gosh. That's a great story. What else you got? But that was the convention in front of me, right? The convention yeah. in front of me didn't allow him to deviate from a very impressive CV and career. Mm -hmm. Yep. But he had to, and he's happy he did. Yeah. Oh my God. I've been a judge for some comedy festivals and it's, um, you know, I, I, we've both done speaking. I'm sure hey, I'm on stage mm. I'm talking about something. It's fine. But when you got to, you know, try to make somebody laugh and you don't, yeah, it's like, it's, oh, I can't imagine. I mean, I don't have any fear of speaking, but I have a fear of stand up because if it doesn't <laughs> work, it's like, it doesn't work. You know, it's, yeah, it's like you're giving something out and you just need to, you need to respond. Yeah. It's like I do yeah. magic, right? So I had magic once when I was, you know, a young man and it didn't work. If there was like 500 people in the audience, I'm like, oops. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's the worst. I mean, you're just instantly, uh, sweat your flesh, your brain freezes. Oh my gosh, that's crazy. Um, so you've been in the, you know, in this consultant world doing these things at Super Super Trends Institute, et cetera. Was there something specific that made you say, I gotta get this into print, make a book out of it? Was it personal or or for the business, or what was the, the intention? I think a couple of different angles. One was and is, you know, I always believe you should write the book that you want to read. And that's regardless of the genre yeah, i mean now i'm writing a book wow. about the, how to organize and how to take the future into consideration and so forth as you as you look at life um yeah. that's that super trans merger of technology and, and so forth but that's a book wow. i would like to read today because i'm curious about these questions and no one's answering them right you know i every morning i go meditate or run or something and i've got one in me that makes no money but it's so important to do mm. and it's I, I i figured it out i'll just share it with you right now we have time it's my yeah, show please you know how the world's kind of like divided about everything right now? <laughs> yes, very much so. This, and becoming more divided. All this divisive anger, meme yeah. stuff. I'm like, I finally figured it out. And I don't know if anybody's going to listen to me, but I, I drew like a graph. Like, okay, I have this belief system and I'm trying to tell somebody a belief, but they're not listening, right? So it's like this. And in the middle, because I have I have a firm belief, right? Forget the values. Let's talk about beliefs. But in the middle, if I like open up my beliefs, like this is like, like tolerance, like I tolerate mm. you. I don't agree with you, but I, I tolerate you. Yeah. If you go up a level, it'd be like acceptance. Like, well, I accept you, which is better than tolerance because tolerance yeah. has embedded with a little bit of angst, right? But hey, I'm going to go ahead and just uh, accept you for who you are. That's cool. But there's no growth or connection there. If you go one level higher, I came up with this one word, curiosity. Mm. What if you were genuinely curious about something you completely disagreed with? Don't have to change ah, your values. Very powerful. But if you could focus on your beliefs. And man, I've been doing this for a few months now, and it is crazy. 
I feel like I love everybody. And it sounds so woo-woo. I don't want to write the woo-woo book. I want to I write a, like a how to heal the world, world book. It's like, why don't you be curious about the things you hate? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, a, this is not my idea. I, I actually, um, I haven't got this guy on the show yet. Daryl Davis um, is a uh, African-American jazz musician out in the East Coast. And uh, this happened years ago, but he was curious about why people would hate him and they don't even know him. So he calls up the guy from the Ku Klux Klan, the Grand Wizard. Say, hey, I'm curious uh, if I could have a meeting with you. You know, I'm curious about some things. Yeah, sure. This guy comes to his bodyguard's hotel and says, who are you? He says, I'm the guy that called you. Oh, my God. <laughs> and, you know, they had a very short meeting the first one, but he, he agreed to meet him again and again. Daryl went to a Ku Klux Klan meeting wow. and sitting there and listening because he was curious about why they hated him. Well, guess who his best friends are now? Hmm. Guess who turned in all their cloaks on that in that chapter? I think it's Connecticut or something. They all they all quit. Because he was curious about why they hated him. That's all. He's like, hey, I'm just curious. Why would you hate somebody you don't know? And if he's asking the question, they have to reflect on it as well. Because you understand that, right? If you our brain cannot answer or try to answer a question. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, it's, exactly. it's a magical thing. I, I had Noah St. John on recently. He wrote a book called Affirmations, not Affirmations. Mm -hmm. Affirmations hardly work. But he, he says, I take every affirmation, put it in a question format. My subconscious goes to work on it. Yeah. By, by yeah. nature. So, yeah. No, I love that. It's so powerful. Anyway. All right. So, if, so not now because I have to work, but when the world's really on we'll fire, I'm looking, I'm looking for some help. I'll give you a call if you want to help me with that. Be fun. Please do. <laughs> We're going to heal the world. Um, so uh, your next book is about the, um, how to live in the future. Science fiction. Just joking. No. <laughs> I blend. Uh, yeah, this is a good how to number. navigate. I think navigate, navigate. Make sense of the future and essentially do something about it. Um, we all know the world is moving faster and faster and faster. That's not yeah. a surprise. But I think if you one thing we're trying to do, I'm also writing with a with a co-author. Um, he lost Phil. He wrote a book called Super Trends. If you mm -hmm. take a future backed lens and try to think about what will the future look like in the next five, 10 years and then look backwards and say, okay, therefore, what does that mean for businesses and individuals? It's a very different proposition than saying, you know, organizations must become agile or they must become one thing that can become very limiting almost. So yeah. we're trying to actually take the opposite approach and, and peer into the future, look at the inflection points, and then from there, figure out the principles and the imperatives today. That sounds like it could be a, yeah, if you get a crystal ball into that, that people, be, you, you could charge a thousand bucks for that book. If there's a crystal ball, exactly. That's updated on a, on a well, the book's going to be updated, right? No, no, make no big on principles, not on not on the not on the minutia, right? No, for sure, for sure, yeah. exactly. Make it, the books, you know, books. It's funny, yeah. Book is as you know, it's um, it's got a lot of cachet because it just sticks around forever, you know. Yeah. Advertising and and social media is you know seconds, but yeah, books stick yeah, around. There's actually like, a book here called the, the the organization of the future, written from you know the early '90s. So nice. It, it's going to get outdated, like all yeah, the other organizations yeah, yeah. of the future. But uh, it's it's a moment. I think we had a pivotal moment as well in the world with uh, with everything that's happened, you know, during yeah. the pandemic. Some right. now after the pandemic, people are asking questions. Companies are asking questions, and there is appetite and I think a need for for big changes. What kind of questions are they asking? Well, in the talent space, a lot of people, more than a quarter of employees, they are saying that they are. They want to leave their jobs. Uh, when you look at the talent analytics data, uh, Pecan recently published a report that said about 27% of employees are displaying 
sentiments of people who have left the company, but they have not yet left. Right? Yeah, right. Okay. Uh, that's and the reason being just culture, travel. What? I mean, what's there any? I think why? a lot of it is post pandemic or the pandemic experience. Yeah. When you look at things like desire for more balance, uh, desire yeah. for more flexibility, um, people are feeling like they're they're not doing what they're meant to doing. It's you're asking uncomfortable questions, and yeah, it's it's hard to answer them. That's that's fast. Twenty seven percent of people are acting like they're going to leave. Basically. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the same the same markers, huh? But I think if you speak with people, they would also admit that yeah. COVID there's been a lot of hardship, but there's also been things that have been more pleasant than before. For example, everyone who's now able to work more from home, yep. been able to see their families perhaps much much more, or picked up a hobby, yeah. they're really asking like, do I want to go back to what it was like before? Do I do I even want a nine to five? Um, yeah. I've I'm actually seeing people opting out of the rat race more and it's, it's a journey it's not like you'll do it tomorrow but they're thinking very critically about hey maybe if i did it more freelance maybe if i could carve out a a path where i'm working four days a week and having a three-day yeah. weekend and only getting paid to work four days a week but maybe that's actually what i want right yeah yeah joe joe santa comes up coming out of the book this month on that topic uh for the four-day work week mm. yeah it looks it's looking really good he's got uh he's with harper collins and whatnot he's okay. he's on on the, on the show recently um wow this is great stuff uh nikolai um when, when are you starting on the next book well beginning to uh you know put right. things down on paper as we speak we'll talk in a year what what do you think yeah hopefully sooner okay well whatever yeah all right so anyway folks return on ambition you, it'll be in the show notes down here but it's on Amazon, right? Or is there a website too you can go to? Or what do you, how do you want to promote? Um, Returnonambition.com has all the okay. information and there's a, a white paper you can download if you're interested in I the you know, theoretical concepts behind the book. Yeah. Uh, you can download the first chapter of the book. Uh, but right now it's actually retailing on Amazon at a discount. I think about $14.49 for the hard Ooh. copy and $9.99 for Kindle. So right. that is definitely something you can look at. All right. Well, you'll see a new review on there in about 24 hours, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, you're very welcome. I enjoyed this conversation. Oh man, you're it's. Uh, I love talking to smart people. It's just so much more interesting. So thank you, thank you. <laughs> Not understanding me, any of you other people weren't smart. I'm just saying he is. Okay, just be clear here. I just want to be nice about it. Yeah. Um, okay, great. Thanks for being on the show today. I appreciate you, Nikolai. Thanks for having me. Okay, you bet. All right. Wow, what a great book. What a great concept. Get that thing. I'm sure you're gonna like it. Um, Nikolai Chan Nielsen is the man about return on ambition. Don't forget to download not just uh, his book, uh, get it on Kindle or, or a, a hardcover, but our show notes are also there available in the show. This is Doug Crow with the Author Brand Show. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll see you later.